Coming up next, please join us for Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 121. Shalom, I'm Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome to Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 121 and a part 8 analysis of Yeshua's last Passover week timeline of events leading to his crucifixion and third day resurrection. Leaving off on the last program, which was episode 120 and part 7, I began our study with an introduction to the first event of 27 events that I have identified for this study series as part of the actions that shaped the last week of Yeshua's earthly ministry, leading to his fifth day of the week crucifixion in what we would refer to as Thursday, and his seventh day of the week resurrection in what we would call Saturday, and what Yeshua referred to as being three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, that is, Thursday through Saturday. Once again, I recommend that you navigate over to my website at cominghome.co.il and then put a forward slash and type in general hyphen five. Again, general hyphen five. And there on my website, you can download and print out a free resource document that I have posted for this particular series addressing a chronology calendar of events that I call Exhibits A and B. So you can follow along with my comments and my notes for today's study. In this ongoing series of analysis, let's now go into some details concerning event numbers 1 through 3. Let's now begin with event number 1 of the 27 events that I have detailed as part of Yeshua's last week before his crucifixion and third day resurrection. And when I say 27 events, I am referring to 27 events that I personally have identified as important to the overall story of the last week of Yeshua. That does not mean there are only 27 events in that week. Obviously not. It's just what I'm identifying so that I can speak about these things on the program series that I'm doing. So, if you would, please open up your Bible and turn to John, that is, Yochanan, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And I am calling this event the first event of the 27 in that final week of Yeshua's life and ministry. Hebraically, from the Hebrew Bible, remember that the biblical New Year's Day is always 14 days before Passover, meaning the biblical New Year's Day is always the first day of month one or the first day of Chodesh one, which is also what Judaism calls 
Nissan one to this very day. What is important to know is that Judaism's festival of Rosh Hashanah, or sometimes it's just simply said Rosh Hashanah, that this is actually not New Year's Day, at least not according to the written instructions of the law, the prophets, and the writings of Hebrew Scripture. The biblical New Year's Day of Scripture is completely understood based on the teaching of Exodus chapter 12, verse 2, as I believe the Hebrew text would render it into an English translation. So let's take a look at Exodus 12, 2, as I believe it could be rendered into English from the Hebrew. The Chodesh of this one, referring to the Chodesh of this first month, is to all of you the head of all the Chodeshim, meaning the head of all the months. He is the first to all of you towards the Chodeshim of the year. Now, this is how I would render it from the Hebrew text. Based on this law of the Torah, I believe Yeshua observed New Year's Day, or what is called Aviv One, or Chodesh One, or as Judaism calls it, Nisan One, meaning the first day of Chodesh One, or the first day of Month One. This leads us into the narrative of John 12.1. So let's take a look at this together. Again, go to John 12, verse 1. Then, six days before the Passover, Yeshua came to Bethany. Since the biblical New Year's Day is Aviv 1, or what Judaism calls Nisan 1, and the fact that Passover always starts on Aviv 14, or what Judaism calls Nisan 14, it should therefore be expected that the statement six days before the Passover, or quite literally, the six days that are facing the Passover in John 12.1, begins with Aviv 8, which was a Wednesday the eighth day of the Hebrew month of Eve. Accordingly, I would understand it in this way, using our present-day naming conventions. Again, John 12.1. Then, six days before or facing the Passover, Yeshua came to Bethany, where Lazarus, or Eleazar, was. That is, he who had been dead, whom he, referring to Yeshua, had raised from the dead. So I made here a little chart to just kind of give you the idea of what is being presented here. Beginning with Wednesday of Eve 1, that is the first day of the new year. Of course, Thursday would be of Eve 2, the second day. Aviv 3, Friday, would be the third day of the new year. Saturday, Aviv 4, would be the fourth day of the new year. Sunday, Aviv 5, would be the fifth day. 
Monday of Eve 6 would be the sixth day, and of course, Tuesday of Eve 7 would be the seventh day of the new year. Now, this is going to bring us to a different perspective. Beginning now with Wednesday, the eighth day of Aviv, this would be day one of John 12.1. Then Thursday would be Aviv 9, that is the second day of John 12.1. Friday is Aviv 10, that's the third day of John 12.1. Saturday would be Aviv 11, that's the fourth day of John 12.1. Sunday, Aviv 12, that's the fifth day of John 12.1. And then finally, Monday would be Aviv 13, which is day six of John 12.1. That means that the next day, Tuesday at sunrise, would begin Aviv 14, which marks the start of Passover Preparation Day. Again, that begins at sunrise on Tuesday morning of Eve 14. And then in the time period that's between noon and 6 p.m. on that Tuesday, that would be when the lambs were slaughtered and the Passover lamb would be eaten after it became totally dark. So I would say that if I am correct, that John 12.1 is a reference to the six inclusive days between Wednesday, the eighth day of the month, or the Chodesh Aviv, which was the fourth day of the week, between that day and the 13th of Aviv, which was the second day of the week, or what we would call a Monday, then it should be assumed that Yeshua was observing biblical time according to the unofficially recognized Qumran House of Tzedok Passover calendar, which we know was not pharisaically recognized or accepted as valid. The Tzedok Passover calendar is referred to as Exhibit B, in my calendar of events on my website. But to be certain, let's compare John 12.1 and Luke 22.1 because these two textual statements, again, John 12.1 compared with Luke 22.1, those two statements are going to tell us all that we need to know about the chronology of that final week of Yeshua's public ministry. So, let's once again read John 12, 1, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, or, put more literally, six days facing the Passover, if you were going to read it from the Hebrew text. Now compare that to the second text, which I want to address. So let us read Luke 22, verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread, which is in Hebrew, Chag Hamatzah, 
as that feast of unleavened bread or Hag Hamatzah drew near, which is called Passover. Now, notice carefully the two statements. Again, John 12.1, six days before the Passover. And Luke 22.1, the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. You see, when bonded together for the context between those two statements, these two declarations appear to forge an exacting cohesive timeline. First, let's once again look at John 12.1. Six days before or facing the Passover. Notice, as I said, since the biblical New Year's Day is Aviv 1, or what the Jews call Nisan 1 to this very day, and Passover always starts on Aviv 14 or Nisan 14, it should therefore be assumed that day one of the statement, six days before the Passover, this refers to the eighth day following New Year's Day. I think it's a matter of simple arithmetic, meaning eight plus six inclusively equals 13 days, meaning eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Then, the next day, beginning with sunrise on Aviv 14, this would then start Passover Preparation Day. Therefore, according to John 12:1, six days before the Passover would be understood from the Hebrew statement, six days in front of or facing the Passover. It is for us an exacting time stamp based on how the ancient Hebrews counted days. Look carefully at Yeshua's declaration as he spoke about King Herod Antipas in Luke 13, 32. Yeshua said, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today. That would be day one. And tomorrow, that would be day two, and the third day, I shall be perfected. So here in this statement, we see that Yeshua's statement today and tomorrow refers to day one and day two. Then he goes on to say, and the third day, I shall be perfected. So, based on the way the days were counted in Yeshua's time and the fact that the Tzadok Passover calendar always celebrates Passover on the third day of the week, which is what we would call Tuesday, well, this can only mean one thing, that Wednesday, the eighth day of Aviv, was day one of the six days of John 12.1. So now, once again, I want to take us back and compare all of this with Luke 22.1. Remember the statement that is said there. The feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. Now, this is important. 
early in the Second Temple period, the festivals of Passover and Unleavened Bread were two different celebrations. In other words, Passover was always on a V14, and Unleavened Bread was always on a V15. That never changed in Scripture. So, for example, in Bamidbar, or the book of Numbers, chapter 28, verse 16, we learn this. On the 14th day of the first Chodesh, or the first month, is the Passover of Jehovah. Now, in Numbers chapter 28, verse 17, it says this. And on the 15th day of this Chodesh, or this month, this is the feast or the Chag of unleavened bread, and you will eat matzah seven days. You see, for centuries among the Jewish people, these two festivals had not yet become merged into one large inclusive festival. It was only much later on in Jewish history, well beyond the time of Moses, that the Second Temple period religious Judean leadership changed the start of a day from sunrise to sunrise and reconnected it to sunset to sunset reckoning. And when that happened, the festival of unleavened bread, which is seven days, and the Feast of Passover of one day, why they lost their unique separations, because they were merged into a full eight-day celebration, which was simply called Passover. Hence, you get Luke 22.1, where it is written, The Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. In other words, Luke is speaking from the perspective of the religious tradition of the Judean Pharisees, who merged the two festivals into one large, all-encompassing festival, which is still understood in the same way today. So, for the scriptural house of Sadok, according to Hebrew scripture— the biblical new year began on Wednesday, the first day of Aviv, or Chodesh 1. Then with the coming of the morning sunrise of Tuesday, the 14th day of Aviv, that would therefore begin the start of the biblical Passover preparation day, the day when they would begin preparations for the slaughter of their lambs at 1,500 hours, or about 3 o'clock, which is called in between the evenings, meaning evening one begins at 12 noon as the sun makes its downward descent toward the west. That's called evening number one in Hebrew thought. And then 6 o'clock, which then marks evening number two, which is when actual sunset takes place. So, in between the evenings is between 12 noon and 6 p.m. And in between those two evenings 
is 1,500 hours or 3 o'clock. So that's why the Passover lambs were slaughtered at about 3 o'clock, because it's in between the evenings. However, for the Judean Pharisees and all the multitudes who were following Pharisaic reckoning, that Tuesday morning was not a V14. It was not, because they were on a different counting system. They were on a different calendar. Rather, for them, it was Aviv 12. Again, the 12th day of the month Aviv. For the scriptural house of Tzedok, it was two days later, according to their reckoning, which happened to be the 14th day of the month of Aviv, or Chodesh 1, day 14. So this is very important to know and understand. And I'm going to have a lot more to say about this later on. So all this said, let's now return back to John 12.1, where we learn about the declaration, quote, Six days before the Passover, Yeshua came to Bethany. And this can only mean one thing. It refers to a supper that Yeshua and his disciples attended in Bethany one week before Yeshua's crucifixion, which would have been on Thursday, the 16th day of the Aviv, that is, Thursday, Aviv 16, by Tzadok priestly reckoning, and Aviv 14 by Pharisaic reckoning. So you can see there is a two-day difference between the calendar of the Pharisees and the calendar of the Tzadok Qumran community or the priests of Tzadok. There's two days of difference. Again, Thursday of Eve 14 by Pharisaic reckoning and Thursday of Eve 16 by Qumran Tzadok priestly reckoning. Let's now return back to John 12.1. It refers to a supper that Yeshua and his disciples attended in Bethany. The supper was hosted at the home of a man named Shimon, who was the father of a man named Yehuda, who just one week later betrayed Yeshua and delivered him over to his enemies for crucifixion. The Anglo rendering of his name is Judas Iscariot. Now I'm going to take a quick break and then come back for the second half of our study today. And when we return, we will continue on with the chronology of events from Yeshua's last Passover week and look at some details involving event number two, of the 27 events that I have identified for this study. And the date is going to be Thursday, Aviv 9, on the Qumran Sadok solar calendar. But on the Pharisaic calendar, it is Aviv 7. It's two days prior. This being said, let's take a look at event number two in the context of the Sadok calendar reckoning. Once again, I recommend that you navigate over to my website 
at www.cominghome.co.il and then simply put a forward slash and type in general hyphen five, general hyphen five on my website. And then you can download and or print out any of the free resource documents that I have posted there addressing the chronology calendar of events from this series. Look for exhibits A and B. We'll come back after we take this quick break. You're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio and... I'm Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome back to the second half of Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 121. Here is your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and we're studying the chronology of events from Yeshua's last Passover week. And we took a look at some details involving event number one, based on John 12, verse 1, and Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. Let's take a look now at event number two, and the date is going to be Thursday, Aviv 9, on the Qumran Sadok solar calendar. But on the Pharisaic calendar, it is Aviv 7. It's two days prior. This being said, let's take a look at event number two in the context of the Sadok calendar reckoning. We'll begin with the following two passages that we're going to put together here. First, John chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. And then we'll look at Luke 19, verses 28 through 29. First, John 12, 12 through 13. Here's how it reads from the gospel narrative. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Yeshua was coming to Jerusalem. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And they cried out, Hoshiana, Hoshiana, or Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Jehovah, the King of Israel. Then Yeshua, when he had found a young donkey, sat on her, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, let's compare this to Luke 19, 28-29. When Yeshua had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near unto Beit Phage, or Bethpage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, which is the Mount of Olives, a couple of things happened. 
Here, the timestamp is identified as the next day, meaning it was Thursday, Aviv 9, after sunrise, following event number 1, from John 12, verse 1. This is when Yeshua began a discourse over supper in Bethany on Wednesday the previous evening. And that discourse began with the statement, six days before the Passover. It is reasonable for me to assume that the next event, according to Luke 19.29 and John 12.12. Again, Luke 19.29 and John 12.12. It's reasonable to assume that this is an event that takes place on what we would call the fifth day of the week, meaning Thursday, the ninth day of the month of Eve, or Nisan 9, if you want to say it that way, which was also the ninth day of Chodesh 1, based on the Sadok calendar exhibit B. However, on the official Judean Pharisaic calendar, the date is not Aviv or Nisan 9. No, no, no. Rather, the date on their calendar, according to Exhibit A, is Thursday Aviv 7 or Nisan 7. So you see, that day was just a regular working day for everybody in that particular time period which was precisely seven days away from the official Judean-Pharisaic Passover, which was the Passover that most of the Jewish nation was following because they had adopted the teachings of the Pharisees. So in the meantime, on that Thursday, the ninth day of Aviv, based on the Tzedok 7's solar calendar, Yeshua sent his disciples into the village of Beit Pagay, meaning the house of the unripe figs, and there they were to go fetch him a female colt. His plan was to ride into the eastern gate of Jerusalem on the back of the colt in order to fulfill the prophetic word of the work of King Messiah, according to Zechariah, or Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and Isaiah 40, verse 9. So as he and his disciples went into Jerusalem on that day, Yeshua entered the temple precincts and looked around at the horrifying spiritual state of affairs. He publicly taught some important principles about the coming kingdom of Jehovah. However, the narratives tell us that it was late in the day when he left Jerusalem and returned back to Bethany for his Thursday Aviv 9 overnight stay. And this is according to Mark 11, verse 11. Let's read it together. Mark 11.11 And Yeshua went into Jerusalem and into the temple. 
So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Okay, so then he returns to Bethany for staying with his friend Shimon, as well as their family and their son, Yehuda or Judas Iscariot. That's an entire family that was well known to Yeshua and his disciples or Talmudim. So now let's continue to have a look at event number three of these 27 events that I'm taking a look at here in the chronology of Yeshua's final week before his crucifixion and his third day resurrection. This now brings us to Friday, the 10th day of the Aviv, or the 10th day of Chodesh 1. And this is going to be Sabbath preparation day, because it's a Friday. So let's begin with a reading from Mark eleven, twelve through 14. Now, the following day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Yeshua said to it, meaning he spoke to the fig tree, and he said, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard. Notice this textual timestamp declares now the following day. And that's important. It says again, now the following day. Well, as I understand this as event number three, it appears to have occurred on the morning of the sixth day of the week, which would have been the tenth day of the Aviv, or the tenth day of the first Chodesh, which was a Friday, based on the Tzedok Seven's solar calendar, shown on Exhibit B. The following day, meaning it's the next day after the Thursday, when he came in towards the eastern gate of Jerusalem riding on a donkey's colt based on Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and Isaiah 40, verse 9. So it's the next day. That's what the text tells us. But according to the official Judean Pharisaic calendar shown on Exhibit A, which you can find on my website as well as download and print it out, this event takes place in the day part of Aviv 8. It's not Aviv 10. It's Aviv 8. It's two days before the Tzedok 7's calendar. That's what's going on on that Friday. So in other words, the Pharisaic reckoning takes that Friday as Aviv 8, but the Tzedok calendar takes that reckoning as Aviv 10. So, in Jerusalem, Sabbath preparations have already begun 
with most people stopping their work at around two o'clock in the afternoon. But as that morning dawned on that Friday, Yeshua would have made his way into Jerusalem, stopping briefly on the Mount of Olives. There, he started weeping for the city. Afterward, Yeshua and his disciples began their descent down the western slope of the mountain, that is, Olivet. There they walked across the Kidron Valley and approached the city from its eastern gate. However, Yeshua was hungry. So, he glanced over at a nearby fig tree, and he noticed that there were just leaves on the tree, but no fruit. So, Yeshua looked at the tree, and he spoke to it, and he said, Let no one eat from your fruit ever again. What was he saying? Well, his disciples heard his words and saw what he did, but nothing further was said. We're not told anything more about the matter until the next morning, which begins with the event for narrative. So keep in mind that when Yeshua said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again, he was prophetically making a very powerful statement saying that he was going to complete a redemption process where it would then break that connection, break that link, break that curse to the fig tree of Genesis chapter 3. That's what he's referring to. And he's saying what he's going to accomplish is going to break that connection so that no one will ever need to eat the fruit from that fig tree again, which was a very positive, hopeful statement that he said. But again, this is not even understood until the next morning, which would have been Shabbat, which starts the narrative that begins with event number four in my counting of the 27 events. Now, what I do find attention-grabbing is Yeshua's so-called rebuke of the no-fruit fig tree with its leaves only. As I just previously said, the incident appears to be connected to a memory of the first iniquity of Adam and Eve, as it is written about in Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. Again, Genesis 3, verses 6 through 7. Remember Yeshua's words against the fig tree and its leaves only is actually quite hopeful because it's speaking about the redemption that Yeshua was about ready to accomplish in the coming week. And the fact that it only has leaves appears to have taken place on the sixth day of the week, again, a Friday which was one day before the arrival of the weekly seventh-day Sabbath. That's when he's speaking to the fig tree. Just one day before the arrival of the weekly seventh-day Sabbath. And I think this bears some incredible significance because Yeshua's words against the fig tree with its leaves only and 
no fruit seem to be related to what most of Judaism has been teaching for a very long time as a kind of story or midrash, that Adam's creation and fall in the Garden of Eden occurred on the sixth day of the week, a Friday, just prior to the arrival of the seventh-day Sabbath. We learn this from rabbinic literature. Take a look at the literature of Or Achaim, paragraph 3, teaching on Exodus 20, verse 8. It reads as follows. An additional reason why the Torah tells us to remember the Sabbath day is mentioned in Midrash Tehillim, that is, Psalm 92. They say Adam was created on the sixth day and sinned on that day. Now here I want to inject a brief comment. This rabbinic story reminds us that Adam was not only created on the sixth day, but also that he and his wife fell from their state of perfection on that very same day, the sixth day, just before the Sabbath. In other words, Adam and Eve could no longer produce the good fruit of righteousness. He was nothing more than a fig tree without any fruit. He was a fig tree with leaves only. And the Genesis creation story reminds us of this fact and of what happened. Take a look at Genesis 3-7. Then the eyes of both of them, referring to Adam and his woman, the eyes of both of them were opened. And... They knew that they were naked, or from the Hebrew word, they knew that they were exposed, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. The Hebrew word there for coverings is hagarot. The modern Hebrew word today for hagarot is belts, you know, like a belt that you would wear to keep your clothing on. So, they wrapped themselves in belts, meaning they wrapped themselves up in belts of fig leaves only. They were trees with leaves only, but no fruit, no fruit of righteousness. So, now let's go forward from Genesis 3 and move back to what we were talking about here In Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, here's another rabbinic legend as it was passed down from ancient days. This comes from Lewis Ginsburg in the year 1909. He writes in Legends of the Jews, chapter 1, section 2, For Adam, the Sabbath had a particular significance. When he was made to depart out of paradise, In the twilight of the Sabbath eve, the angels called after him, Adam did not abide in his glory overnight. Then the Sabbath appeared before God as Adam's defender. And he spoke, O master of the world, during the six working days, no creature was slain. 
if thou wilt begin now by slaying Adam, what will become of the sanctity and the blessing of the Sabbath? Now, whether this legend of Adam being created on the sixth day actually happened or not, that's really irrelevant. The point to be made is that the word, the memra, the devar, or the logos that was in Yeshua, that is the word, he spoke against the fig tree according to the known legend that rabbinic Judaism was familiar with, that with the fall of Adam, he had no fruit of the spirit of righteousness or justness, but instead he and his wife attempted to cure their own sin by wrapping themselves up only in fig leaves representing their own works of righteousness. So, how did Yeshua respond to this matter? By speaking against the fig tree and giving hope of his coming redemption. And he was speaking against this fig tree on the morning of the sixth day. In other words, he was confirming man's fallen spiritual condition that was understood by Pharisaic Judaism based on Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. If, in fact, this is what happened on that day, just prior to the arrival of the Sabbath, then it deepens the actions of Yeshua because all of mankind inherited a downline curse that we are all principally like fig trees without the fruit of the Spirit, but instead we are like fig trees with no fruit and merely wrapped up only in leaves, that is, wrapped up in our own efforts to cure our own fallen human condition. And this is why Judaism places so much emphasis on keeping the laws of the weekly Sabbath, as we learn from the rabbinic writings of Or HaChaim, paragraph 3, with a teaching on Exodus 20, verse 8. It reads as follows, Along came the Sabbath and acted as an advocate for Adam in front of God. As a result of the Sabbath's plea, Adam was saved from death at that time. When Adam realized this, he composed this, meaning Psalm 92, singing the praises of the Sabbath. The Torah asks us to remember the Sabbath as the day which saved Adam's life, because this, in fact, also ensured our own existence and that of all mankind. Put a different way, the Sabbath, as a weekly day of rest, became the sole focus of our redemption, rather than the Sabbath, meaning Messiah, the Word, who is called the Sabbath. Now permit me to take this event a bit further as I am speaking about Yeshua's admonition of the fig tree in the morning hours of the sixth day of the week, which would have been the tenth day of the first Chodesh, 
meaning the 10th day of the Aviv, and it was a Friday morning, according to the biblical Sadok Sevens calendar, and that reckoning in what we would call year 27. On that very day, Friday, the 10th day of Aviv, on that morning of the Tzedok calendar, which was the day before the weekly Sabbath, it was known to be a very special time according to the laws of the Torah, as it reads in Exodus 12, verses 3 through 4. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this Chodesh, meaning on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a house. And if the house is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. What strikes me as noteworthy is the way the Hebrew reads from the passage. Yeshua's words of the fig tree and the lessons of the coming redemption is a type of foreshadowing of the Passover redemption plan for not just Adam and Eve, but for all who would want to draw near and approach man's redemption so as to be identified as spiritual Israel. Now, when we come back to part nine in this series, we are going to continue with event number four. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm Avi Ben-Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. Real Israel Talk Radio.